Welcome one and all throughout time and space for this episode of Weebs on the Weekends, the podcast where we break down the anime news highlights of the week and give a retrospective look on an anime that premiered 10 years ago. Today's episode will cover the anime news for the third week of August 2021, as well as our thoughts on whether to resurrect or rebury the 2011 anime Kamisama no Memicho, aka Heaven's Memo Pad. My name is Sam Martinez. I'm a part-time weave, full-time automobile mechanic, and with me, as always, is my co-host Jay Johnson, part-time weave, full-time English language sensei. I was trying to think of a good segue, but the only thing that I can think of is uh, your hair and just reminding me of, of Bleach, like how I'm just excited about the uh, Bleach kick on. Because I think I mentioned last time how they were supposed to be doing a final arc in Bleach, and I'm just wanted to say i'm still excited i mean you should be excited it's pretty exciting prospects i mean we talked about last episode like i fell down that beach hole of trying to figure out why it was like so stagnant in my mind but yeah so i actually have like a weird kind of fade going on so it's not really one for one for that um character and it's also thinking about there's a delinquent in tokyo revengers that has like white platinum hair as well but he has it on the sides and his like he has a low cut essentially or undercut with the white hair so i kind of vibe with that look for probably next time so like put the white down on my sides instead of a wide mohawk that i have right now are you saying you're gonna join a moped gang Uh, i don't know i was looking at a scooter this morning so maybe the scooter gang um there's not any really oh there are gangs where i am but and the only thing I was thinking about before we started was how far away my kitchen is, even though it was like a couple of steps away. I was trying to get a time for our countdown, and I was like, yeah, I'm totally going to be late for the countdown. And Sam's going to have to wait a couple of seconds before he starts with his opening. It's okay. I've made you wait before. It's only fair. <laughs> All right, cool. Excellent. So other than that, been doing pretty good schools in full session, or at least I have pre-planning this week with like my school's administration and getting together with the curriculum because they're still kind of up in the air with all the uh, the quarantine restrictions that have kind of basically cut down some of the attendant rates across schools like nationwide because again they're trying to implement this like distancing where like masks are required as of like a coding regulation and then like classes have to be under a certain number of students the students have to sit a certain distance away from each other. So that means like private schools can't accept like probably 60%. They can only accept about 60% of their expected um, enrollment numbers. And that basically impacts how much money they can spend in a year. So, and even as a teacher, I kind of have to deal with that as a foreigner kind of stuck abroad and <laughs> finding the best situation for it. But my school seems to be very understanding of my situation being a foreigner stuck abroad so i'm pretty good how about you sam how's your week no, no, no that that that's I'm, I'm glad that they're at least being not 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 catering but at least uh sympathetic to your situation it seems like that's not the only issue that's been going on because at the schools in my area there's been an up there's been a spike in the uh pandemic as well uh one of my coworkers his kids he had, had to go home because there somebody in his class had tested positive and it's kind of weird too because well weird and not like when he he was basically sent home on Wednesday and throughout the rest of the time he's going to have to do online classes and then for him to go back to school he has to test negative, right? But the thing is, it has to be like the day before. And it's sad because some of the urgent care places, uh, it's a place that I go to so I can get tested um, because I need to show a negative test results to go into some of the places that I need to for my work. Some of the places are getting such a huge influx of people that they've begun to uh, limit what uh, person that they can see. For instance, some of the places that I've been to, if you're not exhibiting symptoms, they're not going to see you at all. So, like, that's just how many people are going to be tested, I guess, because of fear of having the pandemic. I'm sorry, not having the pandemic, but at least, like, having the virus. So, it's just, it's it's a little frustrating uh, that some of these kids who want to be able to go back to school 
will may not be able to get back into school because some of these places won't test them because they aren't exhibiting symptoms. But I guess like it's more of like a case by case basis because the place that I go to, they know that I need it for my work. And so despite them having that new policy, they'll still see me. So hopefully they'll treat it more specialized that way. Right, because you're a worker in the healthcare industry. So it's kind of, yeah, it's not like a special case, but you know, like you have to draw that line to say like healthcare workers are exempt because of the reason that they're healthcare providers. So <laughs> if they're not the ones always constantly being checked, then mm -hmm. it just adds to the uh, infection rate or potential exposure. And even like, you know, we're both familiar with Ho Chi Minh City. I don't know if you're talking to anyone constantly um, there, but yeah, most yeah. recently they had like this explosion of infection or the really? infection rate kind of exploded. So actually the government decided to lock down Ho Chi Minh City to the point of zero, uh, what do you call it? It's not a curfew because no one's actually allowed out on the streets and the National Guard has essentially been called in to lock down the city as well as delivering rations to people that are just going to be stuck at home. So I think they gave a couple of notice, um, a couple of days notice to like people to stock up and like say, oh, you're going to be locked in your house for the next uh, two weeks. <laughs> so uh, that's what's going on in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam right now. Yeah, because again, like I'm in contact with uh, expats, you know, worldwide and just kind of getting their perspective out how their countries are really treating them as foreigners. So uh, my friend there is like by himself. So he's like in a single household. He's a foreigner. And he's like really concerned that like the police department is the really the only one that really knows that he's there. So he's not <laughs> sure if he's going to get his rations because it's a military operation, essentially. So it's yeah. a very weird case in uh, Ho Chi Minh, Vietnam right now. But other than that, uh, do you want to move on to some anime news, probably to lighten the mood? Yeah, so as always, time codes are going to be in the description, and we're going to talk about later on Heaven's Memo Pad, which is a wrong translation, because the Japanese is Kami-sama, which Kami literally means God. Yeah, so it's like, probably like God's Memo Pad, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's just like a weird translation, but that's how it's, you know, um, coded in most places. So, first news story for today is basically a follow-up the past news story, but the Berserk manga is going to be releasing a memorial issue uh, towards or for its creator. So earlier this year, back in May, the mangaka um, Kentaro Miura, Miura passed away. He's known for being the creator of the Berserk manga, which is a highly beloved series that really hasn't been given its due justice. We talked about the atrocious adaptation back in 2016 and 17, uh, as well as uh, the pretty faithful anime trilogy back in 2012 and 13, as well as even going farther back to 1997 uh, for adaptations. It's, like, it's always trying to be captured because of yeah. Mamura's way of depicting like these horrific Lovecraftian monsters with the story of the black swordsman Gus Guts Guts Guts, yeah, and his like revenge tale against like his best friend, and there's so much horror that he depicts like so well that the this new coming issue, which is going to be released in Young what is it Young Animal, is going to have basically a booklet and a poster of some of um, Mimura's Mimura Mimura uh, like most iconic scenes like. It's really hard to pull out like masterpiece after masterpiece. So there's no hints yeah. about what that might be, what this poster might be, but I'm very much looking forward to. So I'm kind of con connecting this to your news story about the comic book day um, oh, in the West. Uh, even a better connection too, right? Because I'm looking at the article here and it's saying that uh, the publication over here in the Americas, it's uh, by Dark Horse Comics. And Dark Horse is uh, the same people that's known for Hellboy. Yeah, exactly. Because Dark Horse, yeah, Dark Horse and Vertigo are kind of like the adult comic books, you know, quote, mm -hmm. adult comic books, because it always leans into these like very highly graphic and um, adult themes. But yeah, Dark Horse was responsible for the volumes. I think there's the, the deluxe volumes, the mm -hmm. Berserk 
uh, manga in the West, and well as the republication of the manga in 2019, I believe. But just to bring this around to why this is really important is that this is basically the last work by this manga, and I'm very I'm not really interested in buying the manga for the sake of the story because it's one of those things of the berserk manga has always been on like this long-standing hiatus essentially kind of similar to hunter cross hunter Hunter Hunter. or hunter hunter whatever you want to say however those different weaves call it but it's always been like a uncomplete uncompleted symphony i guess and i'm i'm not keyed into that it's like one of those things like you're going to be let down (laughs) essentially so it's like one of those things like we're all waiting for one piece to end yeah. Well, that's just me and my personal opinion. I'm just waiting for One Piece to end. But if Oda passes away, <laughs> like, what was the point? But <laughs> I just want to say that this is going to be a new issue that's going to be released on September 10th. So, Sam, do you have any interest in picking this up that Amazon has it republicized and reprinted and it even cracked the top 10 best-selling books earlier this year? So you have any interest oh, wow. in grabbing issue one or maybe a deluxe copy or finally checking out now that there's going to be a memorial issue release? I I wasn't thinking about it, mainly because, like you said, once I start it, I'm going to be let down because I know it's not going to be finished. I mean, even though, because didn't they say that the person who was sort of spearheading it wasn't it wasn't it a good uh, friend of my Miura and sort of like knew how to pie- piecemeal it together? Essentially, it was like someone that was closely related, like assistant um, Mm -hmm. and like student of him. And that, you know, imitation is like, what is it called? Like imitation is the greatest form of flattery. But, you know, it's one of those things of just a not carbon copy, but essentially you want the original creator to do it. But like this has been close Mm -hmm. enough that no one can really tell unless it's a good forgery, I guess, is the way you can really talk about yeah. it so yeah that's kind of been the case for the berserk comic that okay. it's been a forgery up to a point i i guess i, I i've just been burned by what I, i've been burned by game of thrones because they did the original full metal alchemist route where they went past the source material and they tried to make their own ending and the hubris of those guys made the last few seasons of that show complete torture. So, like I said, I've been burned by that. And so now whenever I hear about works being done by people who claim to be so close to the original creator, it's like, uh, uh, you say that, you say that, but I don't trust you. You know, that, that sort of thing. But I feel as though that what or at least, like I would hope that with uh with a work as popular as Berserk, that they would give it its due diligence because of how faithful the fans are. I feel as though if they had just slapped any old chapter together and threw it out there, that there would definitely be some backlash because of what um, Miura did for the anime community. Exactly, because even if you look at what Netflix is doing with the Cowboy Bebop adaptation like no one like i'm sure the anime community would just like throw in a hissy fit if um watanabe wasn't on board as like a supervising or as a at least a consultant which he is so yeah it's a case of paying faithful you know adaptation credit to a property that it's not just a forgery and you know we probably won't be getting another berserk anime but i think at least having a memorial issue where it's going to have like a segment, let's just call messages to our creator, message messages to the creator, as well as that mm-hmm. poster that I mentioned. So I might get this just as one of those um, historical um, time like pieces. Yeah, yeah. yeah collectible, but it's more like how do you honor someone that really passes away? Like this kind of getting mm-hmm. their last work kind of either. Or like do we know poster. if it's going to be like a limited booklet and poster? Uh, it's going to be just, it's just going to be standard release with the, uh, the issue. So there doesn't okay. seem to be any cap to its publication. All right. So uh, on to our next story, uh, next news story. This is somewhat of another, uh, again, follow up to something that we've already talked about, but maybe something interesting enough to say that, the streaming service Verve, 
VRV has also mm-hmm. been included with the acquisition of Crunchyroll by Funimation. <laughs> I I forgot how long this news story has been kind of been circulating around because it was back in August of 2020 when the first bid for Crunchyroll went out. Like AT and T said, "Oh, Sony, uh, we w- or the world <laughs> they were looking for multiple buyers, but AT and T was very interested in selling Crunchyroll like." And the second quarter of last year uh, for the summertime saying, yeah, we will sell Crunchyroll for $1.5 billion. And in August, oh no, sorry, that was the price in August. By December of last year, the price was lowered to $1.175 billion. And Sony, Sony Pictures Entertainment, I think that's the full company's name, was like, yeah, we'll buy it up because we already own Funimation. And it came out recently that because of like the partnering partnering deals of certain streaming service, this also includes Verve. So Verve is now under the Sony Pictures uh, Entertainment branch. And oh Verve, my goodness, I did not know this about Verve, but Verve yeah. has like these these big conglomerate of media creators. They have Rooster Teeth. They have yeah. Cartoon Hangout. They have. Um, Mondu and they yeah, have Mondo high dive. <laughs> they have high dive. Yes. And I was like, wow, how did how did I not realize this? Because I remember when Verb was created like five or six years ago and I was at um I think it was AWA and I was like, what's Verb? Who cares? <laughs> if I knew it at the time that they were gonna blow up or how much influence they were gonna have with how media is archived on the internet, I would have bought in like day one. But Sam, do you use Verb? What streaming service do you actually use? So now that no. they're all under one branch, it's just like Crunchyroll, Funimation, and then Netflix. No, so es- essentially, like uh, what I've been doing, I've been using the. Uh, I-, I had gotten in on Crunchyroll when you could still cr- get Crunchyroll as a free app, right? Where you can watch it with the commercials, and I had also gotten a free. Um, high dive oh not 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 high dive but a free uh verve account and some sometimes what would be on crunchyroll won't be on uh verve and vice versa but usually uh verve is more robust like you said it has different ones they even have i think it's called chiller or thriller where it's just this sort of pseudo channel where you can have all this types of horror um both uh i think japanese and korean which is uh, very very interesting but I think like usually to get those types of things, you have to get like a verb subscription. But the cool thing about the verb subscription, right, is it's not just to one of those channels. Like once you have that subscription, it's to all their content. And I, oh, there was another uh, uh, streaming uh, video that they had on there. It was uh, Dan Harmon's uh, Harmon Quest, where essentially the creator for Community was sit down and play a game of D&D with some of his celebrity friends and it, it's fun because they would essentially like animate the sequences of them uh, interacting with one another and with the DM so it's been fun it's more of like a mixed bag of streaming services that's not just uh that's not just anime usually like I would hop around from Crunchyroll to Verve I just recently got the uh, Funimation uh, subscription, so I would do that. And it's just crazy that, you know, they're allowed to do all this because they essentially have a monopoly on anime in the West now, Uh, or at least Sony does, because you have Funimation and Crunchy. I mean, unless there's another streaming service that I don't know about. Right, yeah, it seems, it's hard to seem like, again, like from... December is when, like, the official bid was placed in, and then, oh, and also, this was not any stocks, this wasn't any, like, layer, any um, property transfers, this was just pure hard cash, so that was <laughs> the other thing, like, $1.1 billion in cash to AT&T for oh my Crunchyroll, goodness. which I think is fair for the library that Crunchyroll has, but, uh, again, with the details of the merger or the acquisition, there's no there's no stated plan or like publicized plan about how mm-hmm. Crunchyroll and Funimation are going to merge if they even, because it might make more sense to leave them separate and leave the mass 
you know, audience confused about which anime service or which service is the best for them because they can just double charge people or triple charge people thinking that uh, they need to go somewhere when they don't need to go somewhere. It's an interesting story. Hopefully we'll talk about this never again because <laughs> it's just going to be a new world order after this. So. I don't know. Maybe because now that I'm thinking about it, right? Because the only other people that have some skin in the anime game, at least streaming wise, it's Amazon, Hulu, and Netflix. So I'm thinking like maybe Amazon or Hulu or Hulu and Netflix, maybe they'll try to join forces to take down this behemoth that Funimation and Crunchyroll has become. Who knows? Yeah, because like what you <laughs> just mentioned, like I think because of you can make a case that yes, they have a lion's share of the anime um, yeah. control, but that it's not covering all animated properties because even with HBO Max has a lot of titles under that's them. Right, I think they right. have all of yeah. Simpsons, I think. But I know most recently they like got a lot of acclaim for pushing through a lot of those Adventure Time side stories and films. Yeah. But but even with HBO, HBO uh, partnered up with Crunchyroll, so that's just feeding... Oh, yeah, very true. Because yeah. <laughs> even though it's not included, they still have a partnership. So I yeah. think that's why the value is so... That's probably why the value dropped, just because maybe they were... Maybe just because... A lot of partnerships exist, but not a lot of, you know, um, other sources are under the Crunchyroll banner at the time. So, on to our third news story. Where shall we take this? Let's talk about the My Hero Academia movie, because that premiered back on August 6th, and we kind of skipped over that it premiered. But (laughs) the news story is, has grossed 14 million U.S. in its first 10 weeks. So we're recording this like two weeks after, so this would be like its third weekend. So we'll see how mm-hmm. it tracks for this third weekend's opening. But for the first ten week or first ten days, it uh, grossed fourteen million. Where this has basically outdone its previous installment, which was a two is it two Heroes Rising, which was the second one, Heroes Rising. Uh, Heroes, Heroes Rising. Rising, yeah, yeah, it was the second one. So Heroes Rising, in the same amount of time, only grossed three point eight million, oh. and uh, or sorry, it's opening weekend. It grows 3.8 million. But for this third movie, which is World's Heroes Mission, gross its opening weekend 8.5 million. Okay, so that's weird numbers. But basically, just as twice as much for its opening weekend. And the story is basically this. I don't know if they're quirkless. I don't. I'm, it's not really clear about the synopsis, but it's a anti-quirk organization has planted bombs across the world so it seems like the plot of the story is just like all these heroes from across the world are going to unite to save the world essentially mm-hmm. and follow our you know trepid heroes deku bakugo and todoroki and again those are the main focus characters of the stories which you know is probably coinciding with the endeavor internship arc that's going yeah. on right now or we'll have end it right now and we're going into the my villain academia arc right now with the manga but part of that is also i guess really because this third movie isn't supposed to happen (laughs) because like the second movie hasn't really appeared to have any consequences in the manga the first movie had the shields and even the gauntlet that shows up in the first movie appears in the manga but yeah. anything from the second movie hasn't really had any effect on the manga. And, the, and this third episode is, I mean, this third movie is also, it's weird. I'm thinking yeah, out loud. No, 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 no. It's, 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 it's very similar to some of the Dragon Ball Z movies, right? It's hard to tell like what's canon and what's not. Or even in with, with the Naruto movies, right? Uh, because that, that, that was one thing that I hated about the Naruto movies, because he would have, some sort of super powered up Rasen gun that you're never going to see ever, ever again. And in the movie, they make it seem like the best thing since sliced bread. And it's just like, oh, come on. This is like the 17th version of the Rasen gun that I've seen. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, there's no plans right now for when the, um, when this third film is going to hit the US or, you know, foreign markets. And I think a lot of the importance of this is always because of Horikoshi. He's come in each of these movies to be like the, character design artist as well as supervising supervising director on it so like it still has those feels of the manga and it's just a little bit of a shame that 
it isn't really canon. Like these, the second movie and the third one aren't really canon yeah. yet. So we'll just see how it turns out. But Sam, have you heard anything good about this movie? I've just seen some stills. I'm glad that I haven't really seen anything spoilery or wise. The only thing that I've really seen is uh, pictures or um, video of Rhodey, the new character that it's introducing with Deku. I, I guess like just showing them like walking around doing stuff, I guess he's going to be important. I'm looking at your article as well saying that the theater goers are going to be receiving a bonus manga volume uh, that goes along with the movie. And uh, oh, damn. The, the volume's only limited to 1 million copies, so I don't think we're going to get any of those over here in the West. Probably not. I saw some people on posting like their issues or their um, when they went to theaters on Instagram, yeah. so it seems like a limited resource, and given how much it grossed, those million copies are done and gone. <laughs> so, Alright, so moving on to our last news story is talking about you know, you know really who's writing these stories because it says the title of it is uh, Sakura Manga, <laughs> but if it was yeah. like coming from you know Japan, they would they would call it just football. But the yeah. football manga Blue Lock has received an anime adaptation that is set for 2022. So this is a manga that's been highly praised in the past couple of years. It basically was released on the Weekly Shonen Manga back in 2018. It has this giant following, about 4.8 million copies are in circulation right now, or have been sold and more are in circulation. But this is a manga series that is done by, oh, let me try to not mess up their names, but it is a dual <laughs> manga artist and writer, okay. where it is Kana Shiro and Nomura, and they basically won the Kodansha Best Manga Award, which is kind of a free ticket to getting an adaptation. And <laughs> the only thing that really caught my attention with this new story is that the script supervisor for the series is the same script supervisor for Q. So Q is back in the news. But I think that is very important when it comes to these sports anime. If you're putting like this battle shonen uh, trope on top of a sports anime, you have to really have a powerful script behind it because the studio is 8-bit. Which, really, I'm, I was looking at the filmography for 8-Bit, and I can't really say they weren't this uh, doing this anime, because we've talked about them earlier this year with Infinite Stratos, yeah. and we know them from doing Reincarnated Slime. So, like, they have a good control of animation, and I'm sure they'll do a fine job, but for how beloved Blue Lock is, it seems like a weird matchup. So the premise is that after losing the World Cup in 2018, the Japanese football union basically gathers 300 of Japan's best and most promising young players to find their next um, a striker. And, you know, Battle Royale, you guys want to do the best for the future and be the next best. Um, who's a good soccer player uh, from the Japanese team? Oh. Oh, Japanese. I, I was about to. I was about to give out some Argentinian name there. <laughs> oh, well, who would you give out? Who would you give out? No, like uh, the ones, uh, the ones that I know that come to mind. There's uh, Christian Ronaldo. Uh, he, he's uh, from Spain, but uh, Messi. Uh, that that's the uh, Argentinian guy. Uh, yeah. Those those names are big. Um, when we were younger, there was uh, David Beckham. Oh yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I was thinking about some Japanese superstars, but yeah, it's funny because like all these mangas about sports have gotten me into sports because like I was even tracking Messi's um, transfer to, oh, what team did he just transfer to? Um, oh God, now I'm blanking on the team, but the team names, but yeah, following mm -hmm. certain um, football players' careers now is like, yeah, that's what manga does. It's like same thing with Haikyuu. I started following some of the uh, Japanese um, nationals on their volleyball team. But well, 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 that's that's a good testament to the manga uh, because um, even when the Olympics came out, uh, my uh, 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 co-worker, him and his son, they love haiku. And during the Olympics, they were watching volleyball and they were able to understand what was happening because haiku did such a good job 
on uh, portraying the sport and having you feel the love for the sport as well. So if done properly, you know, you'll be able to get sucked into the fandom of the sport that's that it's uh, re- uh, relishing in, like how, what's his name? Uh, Hajime no Ippo, right? How that's a big for that's big for the boxing community or Kuroko no Basket. It gets people involved in basketball. Like if it's if it's done very well, then it, it's it means that it, the work is doing good. If you want to go out and play that same sport, yeah, that's fair. It's just like one of those things I'm kind of like sketchy about because of like eight bits um, limited filmography because mm. Haiku was done by Production IG. So they're kind of known for their kinetic uh, choreography, which we talked about in depth uh, before about. But yeah, I'm just kind of weary about it. But Sam, does this sound like something that you might want to pick up or add to your manga reading list, uh, Blue Lock? Oh, I definitely want to check out the manga. I'm oh, sorry, not the manga, but uh, the anime, because I've, uh, was, I'm looking at the promo again, and it's gotten me excited. As you said, it's more of like a battle royale, and it's a different take on the sports genre. It sort of reminds me uh, here in the U.S., right, where you have these free agents in American football, how they have to go through different, uh, uh, what, what's it called, like uh, different training camps so that they can be scouted for certain teams or like when certain teams are uh, putting out like these days where you can walk on and you can scrimmage and things like that. And I never got to see that from soccer's perspective. And so the fact that they're doing that with soccer, it's giving me, you know, it, it adds a new layer of the sport that I've never had a chance to see before because they're asking to look for a superstar player, which is something that's usually very big in basketball that helps uh, support a basketball team. And I never really thought that you would need to have a superstar player in soccer like that for a team to be successful. So like yeah. I said, it adds a new um, uh, viewpoint on soccer that I never thought about before. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not um, – I'm looking forward to it, but it's like one of those things of, yeah, I don't know if the studio can handle this <laughs> kind of thing. So <laughs> I'm skeptical until I see like the first actual give trailer. Give them a shot. Most, yeah, give them a shot. Yeah, because I love slime, but nothing in slime makes me say like, oh, yeah, they can definitely do a football, uh, soccer, anime, because it's going to be very important to hone into that battle shonen death thing kind of dynamic yeah. and make it really heartfelt. But given that the script supervisor is the one that does high I'm kind of hopeful for it. But that is the end of our news for this week, Sam. And we're moving on to your 10-year anime review of Gods or Heaven's Memo Pad. So What's up with that? <laughs> Thank you, Jay. And as always, descriptions of the time codes are in the dibbly doo box below. And essentially, uh, the reason why I chose this was, I think I had mentioned it last time, was because of the descriptors for the anime. Uh, again, it said that it was a mystery uh, type thing. And that's uh, one of the genres that I gravitate towards, too. And have you heard about this franchise or uh, uh, this work before? Not at all. Watching this it today? Is, yeah, this is completely a surprise. And it is by COJC staff. <laughs> and mm-hmm. JC staff turns out so much um, productions in a year. And I'm just not surprised at all that this never caught my attention even though it has so many uh, aspects that I just love in media. So yeah. so is Jay-Z staff like the Ubisoft in the anime industry where they just put out so much stuff? Yeah, that's really hard to tell because it's like, like we talked about how like you love, um, is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? Yeah. <laughs> and they also do fairy tale, but then they do something like this. <laughs> and it's like... Where is your where is your barometer really? Like they don't really have one sense of this is who J staff is. They just do. They're so saying much you work. can't box me, bit. I am everything and everywhere. <laughs> exactly. No, but just to give a bit of a synopsis on uh, Heaven's Memo Pad, aka Kamisama's Memo Chow. Essentially, we follow this character known by Narum, uh, Narumi Fushijima, 
who basically is uh, nomadic in nature because of his father's work. And he's not anywhere long enough to make any friends, so he always feels like an outsider. And at this new place that he uh, lived in, he is essentially invited into the garden club by a classmate by the name of Ayaka Shonizika, uh, Shonizaka. And while he's hanging out with her, she takes him to her part-time job where it's a ramen noodle shop. And while he's there, he runs into uh, some of her other friends, uh, one of them being Alice, who is the head of this quote-unquote NEAT detective agency. NEAT standing, being the acronym that stands for not in education, employment, or training. And essentially, Alice uh, stays at home, and she has the typical hacker setup where she has 50 bajillion screens, and she can peer into the world without having to leave her room. But she has to have <laughs> she has to have Grubhub or um, uh, I'm trying to remember the other uh, food supply dash, but essentially have to have Grubhub before Grubhub existed to bring her her food but essentially we follow uh narumi as he starts to become friends with both ayaka and alice and how they go on their escapades and dealing with uh, criminal cases as well as uh the community within uh the city that they live in and as you said before, this was done by Studio J, J Staff, and the original source for this work was a light novel series. Again, it's in the genre of mystery. Duration is about 26 minutes per episode, and its rating is R to 17+. And it is also available off of High Dive. Now, Jay, I know that we had uh, mentioned this before the podcast, how essentially it seems like the year of 2021 is just the year of detective duos. This is what, like the third detective duo uh, work that we are reviewing? Uh, yeah, for like 2011, it was like such an odd year because like most recently for this season, it was detec the detectives already dead. Oh, even It Invaded last year was a detective story, as well as Babylon. So, like, detective yeah, but, like, would it be are... considered a detective duo, though? No, yeah, that's what I mean. It's, like, yeah, detective yeah. stories are few and far between, and then even oh, okay. yeah. when you get into the detective pairing of, like, buddy cop adventure, essentially, like, mm -hmm. 2011 was such a strong year. Okay, that's not fair to say, but it was a plentiful year for that trope, because we covered... Gosick and we cover Dantaleon or the Mystic Archives of Dantaleon, yeah. which are both the same idea of small girl genius and dude trying to help her out essentially. So this is our third <laughs> third look at this kind of genre subgenre. Yeah, and uh, again, like th this was my pick, and I think I know Dantaleon was my pick. Was Gosick my pick as well? Yes. Damn. Oh my goodness, I'm sorry, Jay. <laughs> I did not mean for this to happen. No, it completely caught yeah, like we didn't realize that until this one because like you didn't like you didn't consciously didn't, know no. you were doing that. So it's no. no problem. But um again, uh I I would say I'm I'm just trying to think of like what makes this one different than all the other ones. The thing that stood out the most to me was how akin to black lagoon this was because in, in a sense of like when i in, in the synopsis when i had mentioned that they dealt with criminal organizations they really mean it for some and, and it's weird right for people who claim to be not in education or in training even though one of them is technically in college so he should not be considered a neat the the gun-toting kid he, he he's still in college, so he shouldn't be considered a neat. But anyways, how uh, Alice has connections to the underworld, she has a direct link to a Yakuza boss because he is the only one that she trusts to uh, sew her stuffed animals together, like whenever she accidentally rips them. 
and some I, I don't remember how she found out uh, about his skills. I think she knew about him before he became a crime boss. But when they go and they try to transport the teddy bear, he's there giving a lecture to all of his underlings and stuff like that. And he's still trying to uh, have the uh, boss leader uh, motif going on having them telling them to put the teddy bear in the box and to put it in the back and he'll get to it when he can and trying to not let uh, his uh, subordinates see him because like a uh, macho manly stuff. But it, it was just, like I said, like they have actual connections. Um, for instance, one of the other neats, he, I don't know his name, but he's the bigger guy that's always talking about fighting, but he's about that life. And he can throw hands and he can essentially outgrift a whole lot of people if he wanted to. So it, it's just uh, the myriad of characters and the fact that when she says that she has connections to the underworld, she really does. So it has, like, as I said, it has that Black Lagoon feel, especially because the main character jumps into that world headfirst for the sake of Alice. Uh, what what about you, Jay? Did you make a similar um, comparison, or am I off base? Yeah, I didn't see the Black Lagoon comparison because I haven't seen Black Lagoon. Oh, um, but so I readily made the comparison between this and Durara, which again okay. is another episode we've talked about, or another series we've talked about in the episode. And the idea of this basically aimless—I really love that word milk toast now—but bland. <laughs> unambitious nobody essentially like as you said in the uh, synopsis is that he's been a transfer student all his life and he gets into high school and he's like i've made it even in his opening monologue he's like i've made it a skill not to remember anybody because what's the point and that's kind of his uh, demeanor he's kind of very pessimistic about his own life and it's weird that these are always the focus of light novels that they take these uninterested individuals and just tell a story where they're caught up in like the course of other people's lives. <laughs> so everyone in the neat detective agency is so interesting. And like what you were going on about mm -hmm. the kid who's in high school or is he's in college, but like even in his opening introductions, he's like, Oh, I want to stay at university for eight years because in the Japanese education system, you can only stay at a university for so long without graduating. So that's why he's technically considered me oh, because he actually yeah. doesn't have a degree, but he's also a military buff. So there's this weird thing that he wants to do is like establish a, a library for military history and kind of promote that kind of culture of gun owning, which is a weird thing in Japan. So that's kind of why he's a neat as well, because he doesn't fit inside the like cultural expectations uh, that he should have, as well as there's a host playboy character who's called Hero, the character you mentioned is a boxer, but he has a gambling addiction. So all these characters are very colorful, and then you have this bland, milquetoast main character uh, introduced into this and just caught up in their lives. And even like the the ramen shop owner, who is probably the closest to Black, who's the main character in Black? Yeah, Remy. Remy. Yeah, yeah, yeah is, and her name is Min. <laughs> so she's a she's a badass with like a tank top and uh, she just owns it because in the first episode she gets introduced, which the first episode is about prostitution. So these are real, real world crimes that they're trying to solve, but they're going about it with a very amateuristic and um, bottom dollar kind of basement kind of mentality. And then in the second and third episode, which are basically part ones and part two, is mm -hmm. about money laundering. So the connection to Durara that I see is that and Durara, there's like games and there's like death threats and there are secret organizations and they have the supernatural element to this. But this is just a down to earth story about um, coming to age in which I'm thinking that Japan is a more dangerous place than I think. Or <laughs> is that they're trying to sell it in animes that Japan is a lot more dangerous than people think. You know, they have the Yakuza, of course, yeah. which the fourth is kind of. The fourth is the gang leader, that's his name. And yeah. that kind of sells the idea that he's a young Yakuza boss. So they're all involved in some kind of criminal activity in some kind of way. And not Dante Leon, but uh, Alice 
is a genius hacker. She's a hikikomori, which you said before, which just means shut-in. And her gimmick is that she's very aloof, she's very detached, but she feels very much responsible for human the human condition is that she has this genial genius level of she has this high iq that she feels so responsible for like if she was so connected to the world then she should have done something with like wars yeah. and poverty and it immediately she, endears you to her character because she's a small girl she can't even open up chopsticks it's like her introductory scene like she can't even break yes. chopsticks and her room is like she has the AC blasting, which, you know, Japan is notoriously hot for. And then her whole room, she's the man in the chair, but her bed is full of animal, stuffed animals. And how she speaks is very pompous and childish as well. So carrying over with the Dante Leon connection as well as Gosip, but not Sundere, but just um, Kundere, I guess, about it. So yeah, everything that is solid in those first three episodes really sells the story because it's only 12 episodes it's based off the light novel like you said there's only nine volumes of the light novel as well as there's a manga that follows it but that's only three volumes so it's a solid story solid introduction and most enjoyable part for me was the cast and the characters oh no definitely and i would have to say like uh as you said uh alice's character uh, her essentially taking Uncle Ben's words to heart, you know, great power and things of that nature. It, you know, she has this great sense of responsibility of, you know, what she she doing what she can. And I think, and I'm glad that you brought that back up because I wanted to uh, do a rewatch to see why Narumi took to Alice as quickly as he did. One of the things that made me uh, appreciate this especially compared to black lagoon because in black lagoon you have remy who is the gun-toting uh rambacious character and then you have i forgot what his name was but essentially the business type looking guy who is essentially this salaryman who's thrown into this world of um uh corruption espionage and literally lives on an island where that's the rule of law and Throughout the whole show, if not the whole show, most of the show, he he has so much pushback on trying to adjust to his new way of life, mainly because he's essentially trying to uh, lie to himself that he is, in fact, a good person, whereas, you know, doing the things that he's done, you re realize that that's not, not the case. He's, like, he, he's, he's against, like, um accepting uh the truths whereas with this kid he doesn't become obsessed but he becomes enamored uh, or enamored or he respects alice so much that he essentially got, uh changes from being milk toast to being an active uh being active in his own agency for instance in the third episode he uh pledges loyalty to the fourth so that he can become more useful to Alice, right? He is actively working on bettering himself so that he can be more useful to her. He even picks up a part-time job at the ramen shop. That way he can help give her her bowls of <laughs> her bowl of scallions in uh chicken broth, right? That's um noodleless ramens. Or, you know, like the fact that like he changes so much and th that was a question that I was going to ask was like, why do you think that was? But after, you know, hearing what you said, how endearing she is and how she takes her the responsibility of her gifts to, you know, to heart um, uh, to such a degree, like it becomes more endearing that it makes you want to help this person complete their goals. Right, because there's this really kind saying that uh introverts don't introverts don't gain friends extroverts adopt them and yes. i think like like even though she's not an extrovert she does command the presence like even like before we introduced to alice that these tough guys or like this playboy this boxer this uh, gun nut they all receive a call from alice and even on the first ring 
they pick it up. So immediately you get a sense of the respect she commands among these um, different types of like needs. And mm-hmm. I think that's just part of her appeal. And again, like selling the idea of this like Lolita kind of girl genius, like it didn't work in Gosick, it worked in Dantelion, and it works here because of the intrigue that you get from her. Like you don't know if she's terminally ill in these first three episodes. Why is she running the AC? Why is she talking this way? How is this like twelve year old girl? Why is she so um faulting herself for the problems of the world at large? So I think that's what you're supposed to feel from like the milk toast perspective of the main character is that he doesn't have anything going on with his life, but they do or she does. So if I stick around long enough, I might find out something for myself. I might find meaning by, you know, uh, attaching myself onto these uh, people, even though like his first reaction to them is like, why would I want to be involved with these people? But then, like you said, he over the first course of the episode, he becomes endeared with her. He even commits to becoming a criminal, essentially, uh, in the second and third episodes. And I think that makes him a lot more likable. So, like, Milktoast is a very unfair con- statement or describer for him. But it is a coming-to-age story, essentially. And I think I'm just growing weary of this kind of dynamic <laughs> in shonen stories <laughs> of high schoolers that don't know what they want to do with their lives. Because that is a fair reality that high schoolers face. <laughs> you know, as a secondary school teacher, I know that, you know, firsthand. But yeah. it's so weird when animes take a very passive character in their main role or their main character. I mean, if I want to complain more about Kachimichi and Tokyo Revengers this season. <laughs> but it's kind of that. It's like, why are you putting yourself out there when nothing about your character says you should put yourself out there? So it's another aspect that I enjoyed that he changes over these first three episodes. Is like you get endeared with this character. I feel like after hearing that, I feel like you're going to be telling your t- uh, students like, okay, kids, don't go out there and uh, join in gangs or go to ramen noodle shops where they, uh, where the people look suspect just because you want to change up your pace of life. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not a parent, so that's not my job. <laughs> if my students want to smoke with me, then they can smoke with me. If they want to drink with me, they can drink with me, whatever. You know, I'm not that kind of teacher. I'm not a moral arbiter for right or wrong but it's like hey maybe drug use or like did you think about the consequences son are you winning some but i do get into dad mode like that but it's more like yeah you're 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 free to make the wrong choices (laughs) so yeah he's making the wrong choice he's making the wrong choice honestly like he's intentionally like even in the opening scene where he's like describing himself he's like you have to get a picture. You have to get, like, to see the whole image of humanity. You have to be somewhere for a amount of time to gather up the pixels. And he's, like, uh, snooping on the rooftop saying, like, I'm just a pixel and that's all I'll ever be. So he's wanting to have purpose. And I guess that's endearing that he's lost and he wants to be found. So... Or maybe I'm moving into it. No, 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 no. That that's a good that's a good thing because I forgot about what he said about the pixels and I remember like at the end of the episode he felt like he found more resolution, right? That he that his pixel fit into a picture. I guess if we were to make this a lesson of the week sort of thing, you know, those type of people that's trying to find purpose, they need to be wary on where exactly where exactly they look because as we said like this guy essentially turned to a life of crime because of this chick who doesn't want to leave her room right so it's just very i I guess like i said if there's a lesson to be learned it's just that you know people uh who are looking for a purpose who don't necessarily know themselves at that point they need to be wary otherwise they'll become something that they never wanted to be to begin with and it would be very negative on their life enough of uh sonic says <laughs> for this uh episode uh we're here to discuss uh uh resurrect or rebury and i'm not gonna lie like when i first uh was watching it and i thought that yeah and i realized that it was gonna be a detective duo i was like oh no this is another one i'm just gonna rebury it I couldn't. 
because of the characters. So I'm going to make it a resurrect for all the reasons that I had mentioned earlier. What about you, Jay? Are you going to resurrect or rebury it? A quick caveat, because yes. it caught me by surprise that the first episode is actually 45, 46 minutes long. Yes. And it does... Like, I've never seen that with an anime. I can't even recall another example of that ever happening. And it doesn't feel justified at all because the story is self-contained. And again, mm-hmm. it's a very episodic case-by-case story because it's a detective story, of course. It's a buddy cop adventure, even though it's like a small group of mercenaries, essentially, <laughs> given that one of the kids is a gun nut. After, like, Episode two and three are like basically together because it's telling one half of the story. So again, episode two is actually technically 40 minutes long as well. So there's no overarching plot introduced. There's no antagonist, which I don't think there will be one. There might be something that happens with his father because his father, the main character's father is kind of aloof and might be doing some shady business. So it might mm-hmm. go in that direction as well. So um, Alice might send him on a case to investigate his own father. So that might be a thing, but that's just me projecting. But as it stands with just 12 episodes with the intriguing premise of a um, neat detective agency, you know, even by that, by its own virtue, is kind of interesting and engaging. And seeing that the main character grows in the first three episodes to throwing his life into headlong into danger when it introduces him as being apathetic and uninterested in even the simple people around him because he has a childhood friend no he has a classmate that pulls him into a garden club so i'm thinking something bad's going to happen to her as well that's what it is it's uh (laughs) it so reminds me of the uh the joke you know how like marijuana is the gateway drug gardening club is the gateway gang (laughs) Yeah, because like originally he was like in the computer club that had no members, which isn't a thing in Japanese schools, but I think it's a private institution. But anyways, mm-hmm. so after saying all of that, I'm going to give it a verdict of resurrect because of thing I just said, but also because it's it feels like a self-contained story given that the light novel is only three volumes. So if it's a case by case and going through different levels of crimes and seeing how Alice can help solve it and what his inter, what his um, contribution is going to be to the um, solving process, the deduction process, deduction process. Yeah. I think it's interesting enough. So I'm going to give it a resurrect. No, no I, I definitely agree with you. And I, I know I, I just wanted to mention like the reason why I'm okay with this episodic uh, type of story is because you get a sense of consequences, right? So even though it's episodic in nature, the events of each story uh influences and feeds into to the next one so like i said before like the character took a part-time job with the ramen noodle shop right that he he wasn't employed before but now you know he is and even in the second story like because of what they were doing with the money laundering they had some people come by and shake down the ramen noodle shop right so you get this sense of uh the sense of stakes with each uh case that you know it it's it's going to impact like the rest of their day-to-day schedule so i guess like that's why even though it's episodic in nature there's still that sense of uh content uh continuity in this uh, in the sense that you know you can't pick and choose which episodes that you want to watch out of order that sort of thing that like th- there's still some sort of linear story to the overall story but uh, again, uh, this was uh, our final verdicts on uh, God's Memo Pad, Kamisama's No uh, Memo Chow. It's a resurrect from Jay and a resurrect from myself. And for our next episode, we will be going over Blade, uh, Blade. <laughs> Jay's pick. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so what? excited because we're finally done with these Marvel anime. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, well, I, I would say I, I was gonna say I told you so, Jay. But I feel like uh, we we have to experience them firsthand before. Uh, I I I I do. Um, I I am thankful that you're letting me experience them firsthand, so I know for a fact that my 
fears are wrong, but who knows? Maybe Blade is actually good. We'll, we'll just have to see next week. But aside from that, do you have any uh, words from us, Jay, for us, Jay, before we sign off? There are only two professions in the whole world that give meaning to those who died and have lost. They're writers and detectives. Writers are the only ones able to revive what was lost through their visions. Detectives are the only ones able to dig up the grave and bring back lost information. But the information us detectives dig up is nothing short than the truth as recorded in Heaven's Memory Pad. 